Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact, the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of the Rivers of True podcast. My name is Jeremy, and today I welcome Jason Stinson. You know Jason from the bands Overcome and Indwelling. Jason has been an influential artist in my life, uh, you know, since I was a teenager, got into hardcore. What an awesome opportunity uh, to talk to somebody that I've admired and, and looked up to over the years. Uh, love the Overcome records and the Indwelling record. Uh, awesome conversation, so I hope you enjoy this latest episode with Jason Stinson. Jason Stinson, thank you so much for coming on my podcast, man. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm glad to uh, to be here and get to talk with you today. Awesome. Awesome, man. Tell me what's going on in your life currently. What what do you got going on, man? Yeah, so I am now 48 years old. I am a full-time pastor at a church in Gilbert, Arizona. I kind of stayed in Arizona, Gilbert area my whole life. And so it's called Redeemer Bible Church. And so I'm very thankful that I, I don't have to do labor work anymore as far as like with my hands and all that kind of stuff. But now uh, working for a church here full time, I'm the worship pastor here at the church and I do other things as well. But um, um, that's basically it. I'm almost an empty nester. I've got a 21 year old daughter that's in vet school in Minnesota and I've got a 17, he's almost 18 year old son that's uh, going to become a firefighter right now. So still doing music, still writing music, still recording music, but just uh, completely different from what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what kind of, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of denomination is that? It's just a, a Bible. It's Redeemer Bible Church, so it's non-denominational. I guess it's a, if it's affiliated with anything, it's it's more of the Baptist affiliation. Okay. But um, but it's not a, a denomination of, of sorts. 
I got you. My dad was a pastor, so I'm definitely oh, right familiar with that, yeah. uh, that whole world. So, yeah, that's cool. That's awesome that you're still being able to, uh, you know, play music in a, in a different facet and, and yeah. um, you know, be able to use your talents. And I think that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been yeah, been, it's weird. Uh, transition i've never i've always wrote wrote and recorded music ever since i was like 16 years old yeah but um i've never you know just as you know being a christian being a believer and and with that my entire life and writing music for ministry i've never wrote music like for the church you know what i mean yeah. i've never wrote anything that i've tried to like be you know you think about like hardcore music and you're writing stuff that you want people to sing along to of course but it's like at the same time i've never done like corporate church music before where i'm trying to write music that people yeah. can use in their churches and sing along to so it's my first hand at it it's been challenging but uh but fun i don't know that's cool <laughs> i was gonna say do you like do you like doing it is it i, I do mean, yeah yeah i have a incredible amount of uh of talented people around me you know at the church that i'm at and uh we just have a blast and so um yeah it's 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 just barely in its infant stages right now but it but it's been fun. It's called Redeeming Truth Music. And so we just launched a website for oh, cool. all of that and put out our first song and first video. So, um, but yeah, it's just been a, it's been an interesting, we started it like a year ago and, and cool. so I had no idea if it would work or not. And I still don't know if it works or not, but, but it's there. You know what I mean? That's so, awesome. Well, I'll have to check creating, it out. That's awesome. You know? Keep creating. That's cool. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, let's talk about growing up for you, Jason. Mm -hmm. um, let's kind of talk about some music, some influences, sure. maybe how music kind of came into your life and maybe some records, bands, um, shows that kind of put you on the path that you're on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess that's the question, right? <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, you know, it, you know, grew up, I grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home. My parents were great people, still are love them. I had one sister that was six years older than me. So in a lot of ways, I was uh, kind of an only child in that sense. But my, my sister loved music. She was a singer. My, my parents had music playing in the house all the time. They weren't musicians. But um, from from the youngest age, I was always, I was never drawn to sports. I was never drawn to like, really, most things. But even from the youngest age, I loved music. And I loved listening to music. And, and when music was in the car, and, and I would like think about like the melodies and I, they, songs were always in my head. And um, I think, the, you know, it's interesting, because I, even as a young kid, like if a song had something in it, like a guitar solo or something yeah. interesting, you know, I was drawn more to that, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember when I was like, probably like around second grade or something, this would have been, you know, early 80s or whatever. I was at school and, you know, and, you know, much, I'm sure to my parents' chagrin, you know, they didn't want me getting into like secular music or anything like that. <laughs> but um, a kid brought a Quiet Riot tape to school. Nice. And, I, and, and to me, I remember looking at the cassette tape and it was like the hockey mask on the cover and it was like rebellious and, you know, it's Quiet Riot and, you know, bang your head and all this stuff. And I had, hadn't heard it. You know, I don't even think MTV was really like a thing then. And, you know, there was no way to like listen to music and like, yeah. the radio or something like that. So, but he had this cassette tape and he was like, yeah, you know, I got this cassette tape. And, and I just remember being like, so like stoked on that. Like, oh, what I want to, like, what is this? I wish I could he listen to this right now. Yeah. I wish I could hear what this was. And then uh, I remember I was watching the movie Footloose. Oh yeah, <laughs> of all dumb oh, yeah. things, right? And you know, Kevin Bacon comes rolling up in his bug, and Quiet Riot's on there. You know that bang your head songs like 
playing like super loud and I, and so all the other music in that movie, but that song, right. That scene. And I'm just like, what is that aggressive sound? I love that, you know? And just the whole like weird rebellion to all of it. I don't, I don't know what it, I'm, you know, I'm still slightly drawn to like extreme things. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I've never been one to like, like popular music, you know what I mean? Whatever the popular thing is, I don't like. So if it's a, but I like all kinds of music, but if like, if it's country, it's gotta be like outlaw old school country that, you know what I mean? That's angry and, you know, and rebellious. And then if it's rock and metal, it's gotta be like the most extreme rock and metal out there, you know what I mean? Whatever. But um, anyhow, I remember that was kind of like the start for me. And so I remember growing through, through, uh, you know, grade school and into high school. And then, you know, everything just kind of led to something else. And so I would, you know, listen to, Metallica, you know, of course, Metallica was it for me. Like when I first heard Metallica, it was probably like around, I don't know, sixth or seventh grade. Like that was it. That was it. That was the, like, there's nothing greater on earth than what I'm hearing right now. The first song I ever heard was uh, from them as master of puppets. And, uh, and that was it for me. You know, I listened to that song. I had, I waited on the radio and I recorded it with a cassette tape (laughs) and I listened to it over and over and over and over for for probably till today actually i'll listen to it again later today you know what i mean so it's like i, <laughs> I do i get yeah, it i've listened to it it's still it's a song you can't you can't ever be sick of that song it's amazing and so yeah. um so then you know into high school it was like okay whatever the the thrashiest heaviest stuff that's out there is what i want to listen to so it was it was started with metallica and then it was course i love megadeth and the rest in peace record and you know slayer put out seasons in the abyss then it was like all these great records were coming out you know they were doing the big you know i forget what the name of the tour was but this tour was going through and it was anthrax and you know Mm. slayer and and uh megadeth and it, it i don't know so we listened to that um i guess it was like i was i was like maybe maybe a sophomore in high school or something and I was out skating, did a lot of skateboarding and stuff. You know, I got really into skateboarding. I was with that kind of crowd of people. And um, I met this guy behind a grocery store who had a shaved head and he was skating and and uh, he was wearing a Youth of Today t-shirt. Oh, and nice. I had no idea what that was. No idea, you know. And, uh, I'm, I'm, and I was wearing like a Metallica shirt or something. I don't remember, you know, some type of metal shirt or whatever. So we started talking about music and, he, and, and we're skating and talking. And he was like, yeah, I just, uh, I'm like, I'm living in this apartment over here. Cause you know, my parents are from California. I'm from California. And, and, and uh, I go to, I go to his apartment with him afterwards. Cause we're just talking about music. He's like, Oh, you got to check out. He's like, I don't like any of that stuff that you listen to. Like I listen to punk and hardcore and, you know, and I, I, and I knew what punk was if I was hardcore. What's that? He's like, you got to listen to hardcore because it's like the perfect combination of like metal and aggression and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and punk, oh, yeah. you know, and, and I was like, I, I'd never heard of it. So we go to his house and he puts on this VHS cassette of this show in California of youth of today and like some other like whatever straight edge hardcore bands. And he puts it on and everybody's just flying all over the room, you know what I mean? And, and like, they're yeah. singing along, and Ray Capo's, like, this crazy, like, monkey of a person, yeah. right? Bouncing around. And I remember being like, that is it. Yeah. That's, my, that's, that's my life right there. That's yep. it, right? And I had no idea what that meant or anything. But from that point on, 
you know, he had this record collection and it was like the Gorilla Biscuits and these youth, the old Revelation record stuff. He even had like these old Beastie Boys records that were like when they were a punk band. Yeah. Putting them on, you know, and it was like, what in the world is all of this stuff? You know, like total new world to me. Never. So then I'm like trying to find that in Arizona and it didn't exist. It just hmm. did not exist. The records didn't exist. The music didn't exist. You couldn't stream anything, you know, you couldn't find it. So he, uh, I like legit like wrote down like the stuff from the inside of a record for Revelation Records and I just like wrote them and they sent me a catalog and I just That's ordered cool. like every single thing I could order. I ordered every t-shirt. I had like go vegetarian like use it today shirts and stuff that I like I wasn't even a vegetarian. I just ordered I ordered yeah. everything I could afford. Like in every single seven inch, every single I'm gonna tell my parents, like I gotta buy a record player and they're like, What the heck is going on with you? You know? Yeah. Right. And uh, and and that was it all through high school. I still listened to metal and, and you know, the heavier, especially got got big time into like death metal and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but mostly it was like straight edge hardcore, you know, and so ninth, 10th, 11th grade uh, all the way through just like just big time. I mean, I would go to school with like big X's on my hands and like, yeah. you know, I was oh, yeah. just a kid, you know, and all this stuff was like. It's like the same thing with when you think about like what we're talking about with like tooth and nail records, like it was an exciting time. It was exciting scene and you're just all in. Right. Yeah. And it just may, it just marks what your life is. And so um, I remember jamming with friends and I had a really close friend named Chris and every night we would just sit at his house and <clears throat> we would learn all of these songs. We would just sit there for hours and I'd play guitar and he'd play uh, bass or whatever. I forget what he did. And then we would just pick out and we would sing Youth of Today songs and uh, uh, bold songs and all, you know, it didn't matter. Instead yeah. songs, whatever the band was, we were in, And then we were just trying to find whatever we could find. So then, sure. you know, we were making these trips to California and there's these record stores, a place called Vinyl Solutions and Zed's Records. And you go in there and there's like hardcore shirts hanging on the. That's so cool. And, and you're like, what is this? heaven of music you know what I mean? and spend hours we would run we would drive there and then everybody would jump out of the car and run into the record store to see who could find what faster you know and so yeah it became like a lifestyle um which you know is what it still is for most people right and absolutely um in a lot of ways it still is for me but um so being into music, playing guitar, have friends that were into music. We started jamming. Uh, the original drummer for Overcome, Ryan Hayes, you know, he he bought a drum set and had it in his garage. And so we would meet, we would go skate and we would come back and we would just, we would play songs we knew. We'd play outspoken songs and we'd play, yeah. you know, whatever. We would just play these hardcore songs that were going on. Unbroken. All this kind of stuff was starting to come out, this newer uh like the Revelation record stuff, you know, all those bands, they were already gone even by yeah. that time. You know, yeah. like, you know, it's interesting because Youth Today is still playing now and they show up once in a while, but like Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, Bold, Side by Side, Warzone, like all that. It was all, none of those guys were doing anything. They put out records from like 88 to 91 and then they were gone, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. this new age records, you know, all this stuff was, was we were close to it you know, that's outspoken and, and, and unbroken and strife and mean season. And these bands were starting to come out and uh, we were getting these records. And so we were playing those songs. And I remember like, let's start a band. And so we started a band, we call it steadfast, you know, nice. and, and it was just us playing covers of 
you know, other people saw, yeah. you know, and just trying to get our, and we were young. We were like 15, 16, 17 years old, you know. Let, let me ask you something real quick. Were your parents okay with you listening to the, the secular music? Uh, and, and were they cool with you once you started the band? Like how, how were, how were their viewpoint on that? You know, my parents have always been, have always been really cool and supportive of me. And, um, I don't think they were ever necessarily against it. You know, I, I definitely don't think that they were, they were happy about, <laughs> um, you know, secular music for any, you know, I'm sure. But at the same time, like in my life at that point, like behind all of that, I was still going to church every week. I was sure. taking my friends to church every week. I've always been more of a leader than a follower. I sure. Guess. Sure. And so these skate, I'd bring all these kids with skateboards. Like, Hey, it was a priority to me. Like when people thought of Jason Stinson, they were like, yeah, yeah, he likes music and all that stuff. And he's, you know, he skates and he's into all this stuff and he plays guitar. But I still think that people were like, oh, he's the Christian kid. Yeah. You know, he's the kid that's not smoking with us. He's the kid that's not doing these things. And and um, when we skate and then every Wednesday, it was like, I'm going to church. Yeah. And I was like, who wants to go with me? Let's go to church and then let's go skate afterwards or whatever. So I would pile like as many people as I could into my car and we'd all just show up at the youth group. And then I'd bring them to church and they'd be in the front, be all these crazy looking kids, you know, in the church. And so behind all of that was I, for whatever reason, I knew that I knew that I knew that I had my own faith. Yeah. By the time I was like 16, 17 years old. And that question, like, you know, who do you say that I am? I knew who Christ was. And so more important to me, even though I didn't realize it at the time, was this relationship I had with Christ. And so I think my parents saw that, you know, and I was I was bold about that. Um, And I wasn't ashamed of it ever. You know, in fact, I kind of wore it as a badge of honor in a way. Yeah, I get it. You know, it was like, hey, I'm I don't need you know, I'm a Christian. I don't need any of this crap that you get yeah. or whatever. My mouth was different. I was just, I just lived differently and nobody cared because I was like, I was like not a wuss about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You no, know what totally. I mean? So people will respect you if you just have a backbone. It's the, it's yeah. the people that are kind of like, I don't know why. Yeah. I no, I get it. I go to church cause I have to type stuff. Yeah. Nobody respects that, you know? No, totally. Absolutely. So I think there was like, I think my parents were okay. You know what I mean? Like they're ultimately they're like, he's a kid, you know, he's got a lot of testosterone and stuff. And everything. <laughs> but ultimately, like I was going to church every week. I was going yeah. to, I was collecting any of that stuff. I was going to church camps. I was, I was not like, uh, against any of that. I was very for it, you know, and vocal about that. And so, yeah. um, I played guitar and drums in church when I was very young and was a part of like whatever you know worship team it was at that point you know and uh and so yeah i don't know i mean i definitely think i scared them you know pretty good (laughs) you know and they thought they thought that you know any moment i was gonna you know if there was a fence any moment i could go either side no totally but i remember like you know not really thinking about christian music at that point because at that point there was no such thing as christian like hardcore stuff you yeah. know but but um i was going to lots of shows i remember like whatever christian shows would come through if they did i'd go and i remember like my earliest memory was seeing scattered few oh nice scattered few i they must have came through arizona about four or five times and that was just i loved those guys yeah. i love like they were angry and weird and 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 like uh alan alan was just like this 
like this crazy person, you totally. know, totally. and just didn't, you know, was unapologetically Christian, but didn't give a rip about anything, you know, yeah. and their band, like when they would come play, they were super fast and then they were slow and then they were this and that, but the, you know, mosh pit and they would in, incite this like energy to their stuff. Yeah. I remember being like, wow, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would go to like local punk shows and those type of things. And, and uh, local, anytime, you know, a hardcore show would come, I'd go. And so that's kind of like the start of like all that. Um, I think, what were we at? With that? Yeah, well, well, you were talking about Steadfast. I was going to go into it. Was that, oh, the precursor, yeah. was that the precursor to Overcome? I guess let's talk yep. about that and how over, Overcome became. <laughs> Overcome became. And uh, <laughs> then signing with uh, Tooth and Nail and kind of how that world came. Obviously, you mentioned that was, you know, that was, it was a new world, uh, to, yeah. to all of us. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about beginning over, overcome and, and how tooth and nail came in the picture. Yeah. So, um, it's funny, you know, the name overcome, it's like at that time it was such an awesome name and now it's the worst name ever, because if you try to like look it up or whatever, like the number one thing is like a creed song or like just the <laughs> overcome this and overcome that and overcome anxiety and over, it's like impossible to find it. You know, even if you go on, you know, whatever streaming platforms you have to dig to find. Yeah. Them. Oh yeah. So many stupid things. Right. So I, no one's thinking about that stuff, you know, before that technology. Sure. Uh, anyhow. So steadfast. Yeah. We were doing that. And then um, one of the dudes that was in that moved away, moved to California. And I remember him coming back with like this focused t-shirt. Nice. Right. And he comes back from California. This is like six, three months later or something. And he's like, dude, because he was a believer too. You know, he, he would go to church when we were Christians and he's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what? There are Christian bands in California playing hardcore music. And I was like, what? And he had this shirt, this focus shirt. It said focused all the way down the back of it had the, the passage from Romans 12. Uh, um, can't remember what it was. You know, you'd not be conformed to this world. Sure. Uh, and, you know, by the renewing of your mind, it, it was like, all this this big Bible verse on the back of it. You know what I mean? And I remember thinking like, holy cow, you know what I mean? What, what is this? And he's like, yeah, you got to come to California. You got to see it for yourself. Like there's a band called Focus. There's this band called Unashamed. There's this band called Bloodshed. There's this band called, you know, he was just naming all this stuff yeah. and impact. And like, and they play these shows and thousands of people come and they're screaming and they're all just yelling for Jesus. And it's, and then they play with secular bands and nobody cares. And it's, it's amazing. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, that can't be true. You know what I mean? It can't be true. I'm like, well, let's hear it. And he's like, they don't have anything out. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, you just got to come experience. I'm like, okay. So me and like a bunch of friends went to this dude's house where he lived, he lived with his brother and sister and, and in, in right across the street from, from Disneyland, you know, right down in yeah. Orange County, right there, and uh, Garden Grove, California, and we all go out there for a summer for about a week, and it was awesome, man. We get to it was like Course of Disapproval was playing with like some band. Wow. We went to like every show you could go to, and there was like hardcore shows like every night there. It was it was crazy, you know. That's awesome. But the show that we went to was in Irvine, California, and it was Wish for Eden of all things, nice. right? Opening yeah. and then focused, right? Wow, and. uh um, we go in there and, you know, actually I missed something in there because I already knew their songs when we went there. So, okay. Yeah. So he, I remember him coming out, telling me about this. And then he's like, no, the record's coming out. And 
I was kept going to like this Christian bookstore and there it was, there's this focus bow record that came yeah. out on this label called tooth and nail. I never even heard of it. I think it was like tooth and nail two or three. I know there was like, yeah. Bow, yeah. One other thing. And then it was like one of the first records they put out. So I remember getting it, listening to it and being totally well, and then giving it to all my friends. And, and then I, then be like, Hey, we need to go out to California. So we, all like just binged that record like yeah. crazy, you know, memorized every last little, you know, that, that big montage that David Bonson does at yep. the beginning and all that, you know? And uh, so we go to California, we go to the show and we all go up in the front and we just, we're singing like crazy and, and singing along. And, and Tim Mann was like, who the heck are these guys? <laughs> who are, what is this, you know, crew of guys up here, like pouring their hearts out singing in front of everybody else like i don't i've never even seen these guys before that's so cool yeah so afterwards you know and he's up on stage and they're doing their thing and then he's you know talking about god from the stage and and while we were there too the unashamed record that wasn't out yet was they were playing in the room and nice. all of us are like what is this you know what i mean but anyways talk to tim afterwards and he was like who are you guys and i'm like i oh, ever from arizona you know da, 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 da. and and uh Overcome didn't exist at that point. We were playing, just doing that, you know, covers and things and, you know, talking about doing a band. And, um, and, uh, and he was like, wow, well, you guys are amazing. Like, we got to keep in touch. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. Totally. And then I was like, yeah, we've got a band in Arizona. <laughs> and he's like, you do? And he's like, is it a spiritual hardcore band? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is. And so we came back and that was it. We were like, we're like, we gotta do it. this we is gotta a do it. hardcore band. We're going to start writing songs. We're going to do this thing. Like, I got a contact. You know what I mean? And, like, so we wrote. We just, all we did was practice every single day. You know, and I was at home just writing songs. Like, I'm just writing these songs. And we were right, working on them together. We put together, like, this stuff. We made our demo. And then uh, then we just would go to California. We would just get in our car. We'd lo we wouldn't load anything. We'd just go. Like, as, like this was the overcome guys and then all our friends. Right. And we would go to California and there's so many shows and the way shows worked back then is there was never, there was, there was hardcore shows for sure. But then there was all these like tooth and nail shows going on all the time with like, it was like plank eye and focused and, you know, wish for Eden. And, and uh, I don't know, whatever, it was all mixed up. It was all, there was like, it was hardcore and, and not hardcore. And the, yeah. Yeah. You know, There'd be like a thousand kids in this church. And so we would just show up. And I remember Tim being like, I gave him like our demo. And he's like, hey, play, play a couple songs on our set. You know what I mean? For oh, everybody. Yeah. And I'd That's be like, sweet. okay. So like legit, like bands would just be like, I mean, that EDL was a band back then too. Yeah. You know what I mean? oh, and yeah. I, I remember, yeah. I remember like Tim going up to them and being like, hey, these guys are from Arizona. Can they play like, couple songs with your gear you know at the end of the, at the end of your at the end of your set and they'd be like sure so like they would be like hey there's this band from arizona here called overcome and they're just going to play a couple songs at you know and they would play their whole set and we would get up there and just take their instruments and then and everybody would freak out and like oh they're just excited that there's another band you know that's so at that time like brandon was there and like, you know, people from Tooth and Nail Records were there because it was still hadn't moved to Seattle yet, you know. So he saw us play and saw us and 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 all of that. And uh Focus came to Arizona one time and we did this big show and 
and then they were on tour. There's a band called Centerpoint. Yeah. And, um, and so basically Overcome started just because we saw Focused and like, that's so cool. <laughs> this scene existed and we're like, okay, that's going to be us. Right. And so started writing songs, started playing. And then we would do whatever shows we could in Arizona, trying to build whatever scene there was, you know, and then, but then we would just go to California like every other week or every weekend. And then it was like, you know, people would see us do that and they'd be like, Hey, can you guys come out next week and play this show? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and totally. so, um, we were just going out there and we were playing. And then the next thing you know, we were playing, you know, with bloodshed and, and we were playing and we get to know all these people. And, um, I remember getting contacted. I think, I think it was, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened. I think it was Tim Mann that did it. Cause he was working with like alongside Brandon, Brandon yeah. did that a lot back then. And I remember him contacting me and calling me on the phone and be like, Hey, Brandon's making this record called, uh, um, help us amongst friends, friends right? Yeah. And he's going to pay for it. He wants you guys to come out and put a song on it. And I'm like, awesome. You know what yeah. I mean? And then we're going to yes. do this big show that night with all the bands that are, you know, from California or that are close that could, that are on that thing that are on that record. And we're going to do it. So I remember us driving out, go to moon song studios with a Dan Moon or was that his name? Bob Moon. Bob Moon. Bob Moon. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know a guy named Dan Moon. So that popped in my head. But, um, and we recorded uh, whatever the song is that we recorded. I can't remember. Uh, New Life or something like that, yeah. right? We recorded that, and then we go to the show, and we played this awesome show. And Brandon was there, and everybody was there, and it was, like, focused and unashamed and bloodshed and center point and impact. Wow. Whatever, you know, whatever bands were um, on that that were existing, that were in California or close to it, were play, was playing this show. And... Um, it was crazy times. I remember like the drummer for bloodshed, he would blindfold himself and play the whole entire set. And like those guys would do flips into the crowd. And like, it was like, Gosh. they were a rowdy bunch, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so we played that and then we just kept playing. And then, uh, I mean, that's kind of like the start of it. You know, the California scene was, was, was bonkers, dude. Yeah. I we just it. somehow, like, like I said, I don't think we were a great, but we suck, but it was like, but we were into it and, and, and everybody was like, it was just an exciting, it was a right place at the right time. That's totally. All, you know, totally. So obviously you mentioned Brandon was at that show. How, how long after that did they, you guys decide to sign with them? And I guess, when did you start working on blessed are the persecuted? Yeah. So, you know, we had, obviously we had all those songs kind of like we were playing them, you know, and, and we had all those songs and most of blessed are the persecuted is on our demo cassette that we made also, yeah. you know? Um, and so that whole time period would have probably been, you know, April, May or so of whatever year that was, 1994, Five, 94, 95, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it was 94, you know what I mean? Yeah. It had to and so, no, it was 95 because that was the first time. So I remember Tim being like, okay, you guys are playing – he would call me all the time and talk on the phone. And Tim, when he gets talking, you know, he's like me, you know, between the two of us, we would just talk. We would he, I texted the other day. He said, he sends me long texts. And I'm like, <laughs> he called me like, I don't know, a month ago or so, you know, cause he's doing that show and he wanted yeah. to go yeah. so, But we just talked forever. It was awesome. Yeah. But, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Great guy. You know what I mean? He's yeah, got, totally. you know, such a, such a cool guy. 
Um, I love him to death. But anyways, I remember he called me and was like, look, guys, it's cool that you're in California and you're doing this stuff and everything, but if you, you need to go to Cornerstone. Like you need to go there. You need to go to Cornerstone Festival. We're all going like focus and a shame. We're going on tour. You know what I mean? We're all going there. You just got to get there. You got to you got to get there somehow. And so I'm like, all right, we got to get to Cornerstone. You know, we, we weren't on the bill or any of that stuff. But um, our bass player, Jason Obergfall at the time, his dad bought us a van. He bought this wow. big yellow tour van, you know, and and from this uh, preschool. He bought it for us and said, because he, he he's a musician, rad dude. Funny story is he plays, he's, he, he, when I got to Redeemer where I'm at, he's going to that church, played drums with me and bass guitar with me, you know, Crazy. and now I'm playing with like his, you know, Jason Overfall's dad. It's just, a, it's weird how life That changes. is crazy. Um, anyways, bought us his van because he was just super into it. And guys, I want you to go. And by the way, all these kids are like, I'm young. Like Reggie was like 15 years old. You know what I mean? And like. I think Jason was 15 years old. Like they didn't have driver's license. I was the only one that had a driver's license. And here we are, we're like, we got parents that are not only into it, but like buying us a van Supporting and you. being like, you guys should go drive out, you know, 2000 miles away. And that like, would never happen now. It will never happen now. Like I, you know, I know people with 15 years. I'm like, I think about it now and I'm like, no way. You, know, when you think about like Bible stories and stuff and people like getting married when they're 12 and like, yeah. That could never happen now. Well, even this is like 15-year-olds are not going on tour like this now. Yeah. They're just not, you know? And so, but we were, you know, I think I was like 17, 18 maybe. And these kids were like 15 years old. We were good Lord. We were babies, dude. And so we drive to California. I mean, to California, we drive to Illinois. And I remember, you know, we didn't have any shows to book or anything. So we just drive all the way there. We show up to Cornerstone Festival and uh, we don't have a slot to play or anything, but, you know, immediately, like, Bobby from Unashamed is there. Like, the focus guys are there. They're introducing me to all these people. We're meeting all of these people. Yeah. And um, there was this thing there called the improv stage. Yeah. It was on a skateboard ramp that was yeah. there. So you would put your name in the hat. Uh, somehow, Tim got it to where he's like, oh, no, no, we're not going to pull out your name or anything. He talked to the guys there because focus was a big deal back then. By yeah. The way. They were kind of like the first you know, yeah, and then Unashamed record had come out. So um, they were like, this is like the the hardcore band that ha has made it on the Christian thing. Tooth and Nail Records, like yeah. the act, you know, straight edge Christian, hard, spirit filled hardcore band. Right. These guys. And so basically whatever Tim said, people did. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, everybody thought he was like. Like that guy was like the godfather. And he still is. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's, really, he's for sure. Like, he's like the godfather of the spirit-filled hardcore yep, thing. There's absolutely. no other way to, to put it, right? So I remember him being at Cornerstone and being like, to the improv, going to the, he's like, hey, we're going to have a show on this thing. It's going to be Overcome and Bloodshed. And I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember who else, right? And he's like, and you guys are going to play, you know, because everybody's, and, and, and so I'm like, okay, cool. And I remember telling the guys, like, so this is, we, they picked a time for it picked a, a slot for it, the day for it. And then we're just all writing things like making our own flyers for it. Overcome spirit filled hardcore. You know what I mean? So cool. Seven o'clock, you know, hardcore show. And we were taping these things all over Cornerstone and we play this improv stage and, and like every single person there that was like in the hardcore, which was like millions at that time, it seemed yeah. like, you know what I mean? They all gather together at the skateboard ramp to watch us, th these bands play. Right. So I just remember getting up there 
And I played, we played our hearts out, dude, for like Sick. five songs. And I threw up at the end of it, oh. like at the back of the, I just go in the back of the ramp and I just threw up all over the place in front of everybody's because we just put it out. I was there. like, this is, yeah. I'm never going to have this opportunity again. Right. Yeah. And I was so into it and so intense. I'm screaming as long as I can and freaking out and, you know, and the band, and we played and, you know, everybody, I made a million friends, right? That's we met cool. the Zayo guys there that at their infant stages and, you know, uh, I know that six feet deep guys were yeah. there and all that, you know, all this, all of a sudden I must've t- wrote down like 8,000 phone numbers, you know, and there wasn't even like emails and stuff back then really. So, um, it was amazing. And I remember us just driving home, like feeling like, Holy cow, that was the craziest experience of our entire life. Like That's that cool. is never going to happen again. It, I look back at it now and I think, what a crazy deal, man. You know, that just will never happen. And anyhow, I get home. I've got one of those old, like, uh, cassette, little mini cassette tape yep. uh, answering machine things, you know? And I see that this, it's blinking, right? And so I press play, and it was Brandon Ebel on there. Wow. And he's like, hey, Jason, this is Brandon Ebel from Tooth & Nail Records. And he's like, I saw you guys play the, the, you know, I've seen you play in California stuff, but I saw you play in Cornerstone. He's like, I want to talk to you about a record deal. And so unbelievable. I, and I just remember being like, oh, my gosh, you know, not only did I just, did I just have like the one of the craziest experiences of my life, but then I come home and then there's that on my phone, you know, was and, that your uh, intention? Was that your intention when you went out there? You're like, we have to get signed or was it just like we're just going to go balls to the wall? Uh, we wanted to get signed. Like when that focus record came out and Unashamed came out, I was like. I remember talking to Tim, like, what do, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? You know what I mean? Like, like I want to, I want to be on tooth and nail records. You know what I mean? I want to be yeah. on that. And he was like, yeah, I'll talk to Brandon, you know, and everything. And, and, uh, I remember us being in like an in and out with Tim and he's like, you know, guys, I, I talked to him about you guys and I think we're, I think we're close, you know, but he's, <laughs> he's got all these, but he doesn't want to do like one style of music. You know what I mean? Sure. He wants to do, he just put out a focus record. He just put out an unashamed record. He's got like six other bands, like, you know, the plank guys and all that, you know, he's like, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be a hardcore label. Right. So he's got all this other stuff he's doing. So he's like, I don't know if I even want another hardcore band right now. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like maybe I do, maybe I don't. Um, Brandon was very like innovative. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And he wasn't like, he doesn't, he still does. I mean, I don't know him well anymore, but he just didn't think like normal people. He was a, yeah. he would, he had this vision to create a label where uh, any, any style of, you know, this Christian punk rock, whatever would have a place, you know what yes. I mean? And all these bands get ignored. He would, he would put it out. And, and, um, and so I remember Tim just being like, I don't know if he's going to do, or if he does another hardcore band, it might not be for a while. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I'm like, okay, that makes sense, you know, because he's he's like he's Brandon said he's got like ten other records he's got and he's of these bands that he signed that he's got in the studio and those all need to come out. So we're looking at like a long time probably. So he might not even sign any more hardcore bands, you know? Sure, sure. And I'm like, he might just leave it focused and unashamed for a while. And so I'm like, okay. And then at the same time, you know, on the helpless amongst friend thing, there's like strong arm was on there, God. you know, and that song, I know, killed. it killed. And so. I just remember also being like, you know, if there's an, if there's an order of things, 
you know, because Strongarm played that Cornerstone Festival too, you know, and they, I mean, yeah. holy cow. I we, know. I remember being like, there's, that is the greatest Christian hardcore band I've ever seen. Yeah. And they owned it, dude. They were incredible. They were amazing musicians and they were all kids too, but stupid good, stupid yeah. good. And like, you know, they had a huge following from Florida too, because Florida had a big scene and then sure. they were already going up and down the East Coast. And so at Cornerstone, like they, they were like the thing, you know, and they weren't signed yet either. So I mean, remember thinking like, you know, we got to be way down here. You know what I mean? Like, I want to get signed, but like, there if he's going to sign another band, it's going to be strong. I'm not us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but anyways, got home. That message was on the thing. I remember calling him back and, you know, you leave a message because, you know, or whatever. And then it takes forever to actually connect. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'll be home at 7 o'clock if you want to call <laughs> me at this time. Because, you know, you can't text or anything. So that weirdo anticipation of how the heck am sure. I ever going to actually talk to him? And then you don't even know, you know? So but I remember calling the guys and everybody's freaking out, you know? That's and sick. Anyways, talk to Brandon. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I want to sign you guys three-record deal. Uh, do you got enough songs for an album right now? I'm like, yeah, we do. He's like, okay. He's like, well, there's a studio that that um, Noah's and Victim just recorded at in Escondido, California. That record sounds really fat, you know. I didn't put it out, but it, Rescue Records put it out. He's like, but I like the way it sounds, you know what I yeah. mean? And this is analog studio there. I'm gonna book it for you guys. And this is how he was. He would just tell you what you're gonna do, and it was all. It was all. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna book it for you guys. You're gonna you need to find a place to stay out there. You got friends in California, right? And like, yeah, he said, I'm gonna book the studio. And uh, you're going to go to California for a week and you're going to record this record. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, I'm not gonna, I, there's no negotiation with me. And I'm send the contract. Let's do this. Thing. Yes. Yeah. So, um, uh, anyhow, that's how all that started. We went to California. We stayed at Kurt Love's house, who was the drummer for uh, No Innocent Victim at the time. Oh, nice. I mean, we yeah. were like kids. He was 40. And I remember being like, 40-year-old playing. I'm like, this is weird. You know, it's like, stay, like I'm not right now, you know? And then I'm just like, you know, now I'm 48. And it doesn't seem that weird to me anymore. Yeah, you know? totally. But um, at that time, it was like, it's just the craziest thing. But we stayed at his house, had a great time. We recorded uh, Blessed Are the Persecuted. And, um, and I don't know, like, like, as they say, the rest is history, I guess. What, uh, what are your thoughts looking back on that record? Um, you know, j maybe some thoughts from that time. Yeah, I mean, we, it was just like the most exciting time of our life, you know. And I, and I actually think that that record sounds really good, you know. It was yeah. all, all analog recording. The studio was really cool. Um, honestly, I mean, if I'm honest, it's probably one of our better produced records that we ever made. You know what I mean? It yeah. just sounds good um it's the, the high fidelity of it is great you know um we didn't know what we were doing by any by any stretch of the imagination and there was nothing digital about it at all so yeah. it was like we actually had to kind of like play things well and do things well you totally. know editing and so um when you think about that nowadays it just i don't even know how i could make a record like that anymore sure you know, like pro tools or or logic or something like that i mean it was just like a big board you know, analog tape and guys don't screw up. You know what I mean? Yep. Everything yep. in line and play everything tight. And, um, and you got one week to make this 10 song record. You know what I mean? And we're kids and we totally. have no experience in the studio at all. And so, um, I remember Jason Dunn and stuff cause he lived in that area, came by and like the only one victim guys and they were hanging out in the studio with us and all this stuff. And it was just a, 
it was just, man, when you're that young and you just have this opportunity and it, it was, it was just so cool, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know, when the finished product comes out yeah, and, open, and that ma- the mail shows up and it's like, you open it and there's your CD that you made Dude. set tape that was made. And it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a weird, overwhelming experience. Man. I bet. I yeah, bet. Yeah. I bet. I was going to ask you, you know, when you finally heard it, were you just like blown away by it? It really was because it's, it's not like, you know, you record it and then it's done and it's on the, but you don't get to take anything home. You know, there's sure. no, there, at that point, there was no burning of CDs. There was no, you just recorded it and the guy goes, okay, I'm going to take these, this two inch tape and I'm going to send it to, to, you know, Cal to Brandon, wherever he was at the time. And they're going to have it mastered and mixed, you know, not it, it, he mixed it, but he's like, I'm going to have it mastered and they're going to send it to a pressing plant. But it's like, other than what we could hear in the studio, which everything sounds amazing in the studio, you know what sure. I mean? Um, I had no idea. Like we left there without being able to listen to it, you know, wow. we left there not being able, you know, do we drive all the way home without having any <laughs> it? You know what I mean? So, However long it took from when we recorded it for it to come out, like we had no idea like wow. what it was going to sound like or what the mastered or, or the, the final copy was going to be. You know what I mean? Like we just didn't. And so you're talking to your friends about it and oh, I can't wait to hear it. But it's like, you can't play anything. For yeah. And uh, that's just not the way it is today. Right. You can totally. listen to things and then you can go, I want to change this and I want to totally. change that. And you can just go in and digitally do it. And yeah. if it's, too much of this or too much of that you can just you can take it out to your car and listen to it a thousand different ways and make sure it's what you want it to be right um but back then it was just like fly by the seat of your pants it's done okay what's gonna happen i don't know yeah 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 Yeah. well um once that came out and you obviously had it in your hands and you're psyched on it uh do you hit the road pretty quickly and and who do you go out with yeah so the first tour we did brandon was like hey you know that was like a requirement basically for sure like it part of the contract was you need to tour you know and so i was like okay and he had started up that davdon thing that david Bolton and him were doing and so he's like i'm gonna book this tour for you we're gonna send you the this binder with everything that you're doing and you're gonna go out and he had signed strong arm at that point you know what i mean and their record had come out also and so um, so he did, I think he signed us and strong arm basically at the exact same time, like right after cornerstone festival. So both of our records kind of came out. I don't know how, who came out first or whatever. I think we came out first because we're pretty low on We're pretty, we're down pretty far on that tooth and nail, like release of roster. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what blessed the persecuted it is, but it's, it's gotta be like nine or 10, I think. Wow. Um, but anyways, so he's like this, that this coming summer, like you're going to, and I remember like there's ads for this thing in heaven's metal magazine. And like, That's you know, you, I went to the Christian bookstore and there's like this tooth and nail display and like this, you know, the, the big cardboard thing of overcome, you know, I'm just being like, Whoa, you know what That's I mean? So cool. Heck, you know? Um, but yeah, he's like, yeah, you're going to go on tour. I'm like, okay. So that's what we did. We we went on tour with strong arm for like a month, man, unbelievable. you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. And that was like, one of the greatest times of my life. Like we became still to this day, we are all like great friends. We still send messages to each other. You know what I mean? It was, it was awesome, dude. Like a month and a half on the road. And it was just, I can't really describe it, man. Like all the shows were exciting. We played some, you know, really crappy shows. And we played some shows where 
we were clearly hired or brought in just to play for like a youth group. You know what I mean? <laughs> I and uh, and because it was a tooth and nail thing, they did they didn't know anything about it. And yeah. So like, well, let's do a, a special event for our youth group, and there's like thirty kids, and, and then we, you know, have these guys have no idea. I remember <laughs> we went to the show, and it was like us and Strong Arm. We go there and we walk in, and it's like this this suit and tie guy comes up and he's like, Oh, thank you boys for being here. And, you know, we, we wanted to do something special for our kids and they wanted to do a concert. And, and so we, you know, we, we reached out to tooth and nail records and, and here you, and like, have you ever listened to any of our music? And like, no, but you know, we're glad you're here. And like, the only thing we need you to do is we need you to before, you know, make sure that you, talk about Jesus and make sure that at the end you do this big altar call thing. And if you oh, can have wow. all the kids sit down and, and I'm just like, I, I remember like clearly being like, like, dude, um, we'll talk about Jesus for sure. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you know what's about to happen here. Right. <laughs> and he's like, and he's, he's gonna like, get melted. you know what I mean? And, and I kid you not, we were playing and, and it's like, these are youth group kids and they're hanging out, you know, they all got the huge pants on and some of them have like, you know, they all, they're all wearing some type of tooth and nail shirt or whatever. And some of the kids knew who we were and they were stoked. And then other had no idea, but in the back of the room was like parents and pastors and, and the youth pastor oh, guy. God. And this is like, in you know, I don't remember where, but like, I want to say like North Carolina or something like that. Right. And um, they just have no idea. So we bring in all our gear. You know, we got huge amps and half stack amps and, you know, our drum sets and everything. And we set up and it's like, I can't remember if it Strong Arm or Us played first. But as soon as it started, <laughs> as soon as it started, like everybody's eyes were like, <gasps> you know what I mean? Like, <gasps> and, and everybody was like, we made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it was like incredible I regret my decision oh my god you know what i mean and afterwards i just remember like the shock the shock of like parents wow and and, and just that those type of situations were always very weird you know I what bet. I, mean? I bet and i remember like parents screaming and yelling at me afterwards like this is not of god like this is Oof. you know and and how can the, you know how and and yeah yeah. Anyways, I don't know how I got on that, but that's just a funny story. No, that I mean, that's got to be <laughs> that's got to be hard. You know, and you guys are young kids yourself, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you're expected to in their minds, you know, be this uh, evangelical. Oh, totally. You know, whatever. And, you know, I know you're and you're probably in your hearts. You wanted to do that. You wanted to give the, the passion, you know, that Tim gave you and, you know, all these other bands gave you. But right. it's like right. you guys are kids. You're, yeah. I mean, that's insane to expect you guys to be, you know, the forefront of the message that they're trying to. And I, I mean, I'm a believer myself, but that just seems crappy <laughs> in a weird way, you know, but oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, right? You never want to meet your heroes type idea. But it's like, you know, of course I was a believer. Of course, like, you know, we were trying to do this thing as a ministry. Order, but at the same time, we're all like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, we're young exactly. kids. We don't know anything. You know, we're not. Yeah preachers or or we don't even know the word of god very well you know what i mean we just we just have this passion for this music and all this stuff and people you know they expect you everybody and it's still there's nothing new under the sun right we still have this idea that like christian bands are all like 
the most godly people on the planet, yep. right? Like if you're in a Christian band, you must, uh, you know, be a, a, a preacher, teacher, know all of theology perfectly well. And, and if you don't, you've just disappointed the entire world. And yep. that's just not, that's just not the case. I always tell people all the time, it's like with this new thing with music and everybody being so concerned about everything, it's like, it's like, dude, just listen to it, right? There's worse things you can listen to. Are they going to sign like a doctrinal statement or a statement of faith? Probably not, but goodness gracious, man. These guys are just musicians in a band. Don't expect them to be like your spiritual hero. You know what I mean? Exactly. Don't expect no, them totally. to live their life exactly how you think a Christian yeah. should live their life. No, These right. are just, you know, it. you can't. You, know, yeah. you can't put that on musicians. They're yeah. not, that's not their job. Totally. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. No, I get it. I get it. But I lived that life forever. Just like this. You know, I bet. I bet. Jesus is the lead singer of Overcome. Like he better be, you know, above reproach in every single mm. aspect of his life. Right. Or or this thing is over. You know, and you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of artists that I've had on this podcast um, have said the same things and some of them aren't believers anymore. And it's really, you know, it sucks because it's. You know, I'm not blaming those situations, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. You know, the, yeah. you know, the pressure or the expectation, you know, sure. whatever it may be, you know. So, you know, that's definitely. Well, the worst of it is like you don't want to be a hypocrite. You know what yeah, I mean? Nobody no, totally. Wants to a, nobody wants to be a hypocrite. So it's like you either believe it or you don't. And so whenever yeah. you're forced to say something that maybe deep down in your heart you don't really even believe, eventually you're going to feel the the shame of that and you're going to absolutely. Walk you know, Absolutely. so that's, you know, I did believe it. I still do. It's still a fire inside me that was lit years ago. And so it's like, um, I didn't have a problem talking about Jesus, even if I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> and screaming about it, you know what I mean? And, and obviously, as I've been sanctified and I'm walking more, yeah. with the Lord, like, you know, I know a lot more than I knew back then. Sure. But you know what? My, my heart was right back then. I know that. I know that everything I said, everything I did, I did it. Because I, I really felt like I wanted people to know Christ, absolutely. you know, and so as imperfect as it was, I, I'm not ashamed of any of that. Sure. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Well, that's good. Yeah, I, I love hearing your perspective on that. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm a believer myself, so I definitely can relate to it. Uh, but it's cool that, uh, you know, you've you've been on the other side of things and, and you, you know, look at it fondly. And at the same time, you know, life sucks sometimes. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so let's talk about when beauty dies. Um, sure. You go on the tour; it's going good. You're probably riding pretty high. Uh, when do you start working on when beauty dies? And let's maybe talk about that record a little bit and kind of your thoughts on on that record. Uh, um, I love all of what you've done, but that's probably my favorite record uh, that ever come put out. So yeah, let's talk about that record. Yeah, that's my favorite record we did too. And um, so we came back from tour, and you know we're all kids, and so things are changing in people's lives, and. And there's things going on at home and different things happening. And so um, the hardest part of any band, if you want to have longevity, is just keeping members in it, right? Like, again, life is changing. You're growing up. You're, you, yeah. Some guys want to go to school or they want to get married. They want to do these things. And as cool as all this stuff going on is, it's like everybody's wrestling with the question, okay, do I really believe this stuff? Because like sure. I said, you don't want to be a hypocrite. Yeah. You know, you go out on the road and you realize all these people start talking to you about Jesus and they want you to pray with them and like all this stuff. And then you realize you got people that are like questioning, like, I'm doing all these things. I, I feel hypocritical, you know, sure. or whatever. And so for whatever reason, and, the, you know, 
who knows the lord knows whatever but band members come and they go right and people like you said some people walk away from the faith and or whatever or no or they never had it really you know they yeah. never really had the faith but they were a part of something and sure. it was cool for the moment and that you know so anyways we come back some changes were happening with the band right and so ryan hayes for whatever reason things going on in life wasn't there so i had a friend come in to do drums um that was a good friend of mine good drummer or whatever and and we just wanted a different feel for that record a different sound for that record we were um, we were definitely more going the unbroken kind of um, bloodlet type yeah. Yeah. idea, you know what I mean? With these like more solid rhythms, but, but at the same time, like not, I don't know, you know, you don't, you don't think the cool thing about it is we didn't overthink any of this stuff. You know what I mean? We were just writing songs and whatever. Reggie did a lot of writing on that record too. And so it's got a lot of his flavor and he's just a, he was just a, it still is just a, he, he has a really, really creative mind yeah um, and he does things different than like and he just doesn't think the same way so anyhow the, the the reason why that record sounds as bad as it does is um and the production of it kind of sucks is we so we talked to brandon he's again he's like uh, uh, we were like we want to do it locally and he's like okay i found this studio called phase four studios it's amazing they got this uh, neve console in there and and in all analog it's a great studio like all uh Social Distortion recorded a record there, you know? And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So he books it. We show up. There's nobody there. You oh. know what I mean? We're knocking. So we, he, I'm like, hey, Brandon, there's nobody here. Like, da-da-da-da-da. This guy shows up at the scene. He's like, okay. I open to the studio. He's like, so who's your engineer and stuff? And I'm like, we don't have an engineer. And he's like, this is a... He's like, this studio is like a rented studio space. Oh, like, my. Dan showed up, like, docking and recorded there and stuff. He's like, but like Megadeth recorded there. They're like, but you, it, there's no engineer here. Like this is a built studio for professional bands to come in and record. What they want. And so yeah. I called Brandon and stuff. He's like, no, they told me it was going to be like this package thing for whatever. Da, 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 and that was going to come with an engineer. And so this guy starts talking to him on the phone and, and then he's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he's like, okay guys, well, I'm going to be your engineer. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay. So he's like, well, we didn't pay for, the big you know major room so we're going to record in studio b and so okay and it was still nice everything was nice but the guy that recorded our record was not an audio engineer right he mm -hmm. knew how to press record knew how to press you know he just was he just wasn't you know and they didn't have the two inch tape and stuff so we had to go try to look that stuff up and find it and we had to go buy it and everything got started really late and um but it was the same deal. It was all, I mean, there's no digital. It was all analog. There was no nothing, you know. And again, we recorded that album. It sounded fantastic in the studio. Sure. But there's no, you, there, you know, there was no way to listen to it still. There's still, that was like 96 when we recorded that. So there still wasn't really CD players in these places or ways to burn CDs and things like that. So that was another one where it was like, okay, we recorded everything. This guy mixed everything and it sounds wonderful in the studio. And we were like, this record's going to crush, right? We were like, yeah. this is so stoked. And that one, oh, and I love the artwork for it. I love it. Sure. But, you know, I love that album. I love all the songs on it. And honestly, like, I don't, I don't hate the recording because for the time, it, you know, but it wasn't the level of what was coming out with some of the tooth and nail records and with some of the stuff. And, and I remember, I think Brandon was even slightly disappointed and like, really, you know, and uh, so when we listened to it and we got it, um, I, you know, I wasn't as, I was stoked on it, all the packaging. I wasn't as excited about how it sounded, but, um, 
But again, at the same time, I'm like, I don't give a crap. You know what I mean? It came out and it was as far as hardcore records go, it was a success, like by all stretches of the imagination, you know? And so I remember Brandon calling me and he was like, Hey dude, you just sold 8,000 copies in one week. He's Unbelievable. Like, he's like, nobody on tooth and nail records has sold 8,000 copies in one week. You know, when the record came out and he's like, that's the biggest selling like record I have right now, uh, at least not at the time, like, but yeah. in one week, you know, and before I'm, that was before like the MXPX record came out and then that yeah. was like, forget. No, I mean, he didn't, sure. you know, nobody cared about anybody <laughs> anymore after MXPX at the scene. But, um, um, so I remember, okay. You know? And so then again, it was like, you're going to go on tour and I'm like, okay. And so we booked this tour. I don't even, I don't remember who it was with, but he booked the tour. And then that's whenever, you know, Reggie and Jason that came to me and they're like, like, dude, we, we can't do this anymore. You mm. know? And I'm like, what? Like, we just put out this record and we have this, you know, tour coming up and, and all this stuff. And like, what, what do you mean you can't do this anymore? And they're like, yeah, you know, and the things are just changing in their life, you know, and the two of them are talking and like, and so the guy that was playing drums with a friend of mine, he wasn't a believer, uh, still a friend of mine, still not a believer. Um, <laughs> And uh, and so I'm like, I don't have a permanent drummer. Reggie and Jason are gone. Like, it's basically me and this guy on drum. Like, what am I going to do, you know? And so um, that tour wasn't going to happen, mm. you know, even though we just put out this record and I was super stoked on it. It was just, and so I remember calling Brandon and be like, hey, I can't do this tour. And he's like, what? And I told him, yeah, these guys left and everything. He's like, okay. He's like, oh, but I'm going to, I'm like, I'm going to rebuild the band though. Just give me some time, you know, Maybe I can do the tour, maybe at least get to Cornerstone and then we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Maybe just have to book it later, you know? Sure. So he's like, okay, all right, well, let me know what happens. You know what I mean? And and I'm like, okay, well, about a month later, I get a, a letter from Tooth and Nail that we're off the label. You know what I mean? Wow. And, I don't, and I don't blame him for that. You know what I mean? I'm sure he's thinking like, this is just another, like every, like most of his bands put out a record or two and then they were done. You know what I mean? And that's just the way, that was just the way it was, yeah. you know? So I think in his mind, he's like, I'm just going to resolve, relieve them of their contract, whatever. You know what I mean? Which is kind of a blessing in a weird way, because some people, you know. Oh, so dude. Be, yeah, totally. I mean. In real life, most labels would be like, screw you, you signed a contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're going on tour, you're doing, you know, whatever. But the, he was, he wasn't wrong in that or mean in that or any anything you know what i mean and i remember calling him and talking to him on the phone I mean, everything was fine you know what i mean yeah. and, and uh, i was i was sick to my stomach and really disappointed you know what i mean because i wasn't done you know and i was like i'm not done yeah um, i had big dreams and plans to that was going to be like my living that's what i was going to do for the rest of my life you know but you know i, I rebuilt the band and uh and then and that's whenever Jason uh, Dunn, you know, we were going back to California and, and Jason was, is one of the best people on the That's planet. why everyone you know, says that. <laughs> dude, if you haven't done, a, you need to do a podcast. I, I, I would, right? oh, hey, hook me up. I would love to. Dude, Jason Dunn is the most genuine, kindest, like human being you'll ever meet and everything he does is legit. I mean, and he, as soon as you meet him, you love him. Right. And he's, and you are, you get what, there's nothing fake with this guy, nothing fake, very genuine person. I loved him from the minute I ever met the guy. Right. And so he's like, 
he's like, Hey Jason, I'm starting this label called face down records. I put out like this, like this seven inch thing, this split thing with NIV da, 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 da. And he's like, he's like, you don't have a label and da, da, da. He's like, would you, what would you, what do you think about putting something out with me? You know I mean? Like, even like a, like an EP or something. I'm like, I got songs. I got a new band. I'd love to. So that's, we recorded and we put out the, uh, whatever is that EP that we did for him. Um, I don't remember if it had a title or not. Yeah. But well, yeah, so we, we did that with face down records. And so then after that, we, the band was back up and we were back on the road. We were, to, you know, touring again. We went out with, uh, I'm trying to remember all the tours. We, we did like a whole full tour that Jason booked for us. And then, um, I know we did a tour with figure four, um, whenever he was putting them out as well. But I remember yeah. we were at Cornerstone Festival and Brandon comes up to me and he's like, hey, you did it. You rebuilt the band, right? And so we had put out this EP with Jason and he's like, so how about you make that third record with with, uh -oh. uh, with Tooth and Nail, you know? And now then I was in like this, like, and 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 honestly, dude, I, like, I know people have, whatever their their problems or their stories with brandon but i i, I loved brandon he was great yeah he was, he's a he's he's a businessman and he does what he is smart but he's a good guy you know yeah. and he, i mean i don't know him anymore but he was always very friendly to me he, he would always a very encouraging person right and so i remember being torn like okay because jason then had asked me we if he'd do our next record with him and that would kind of like put Pick, catapult on the map yeah. you know yeah. what i mean yeah. and and so we hadn't really said we would or we wouldn't. We didn't know, you know, and I had this opportunity. And then Brandon comes and talks to me and he's like, he's like, that EP is great and I love it. And your your new band is awesome. Like, do your next record. Do you have another record? I'm like, yeah, we got it. And I, I mean, Immortal Till the Work is Done was written. It was, we were ready to go, you know? I'm like, I got a record and I think it's like the best record we've ever written. Like, I love all the songs on it. Like, it's yeah. heavy and, and like, um, it's going to be totally different than anything we did. I was like the only writer on it. You know what I mean? So Reggie wasn't a part of it. It was like all my songs and not that that matters, but it was just like, it was my first thing that was like sure. my baby. You sure. know? And I was stoked on it. And so now I'm like, you know, for me, it, it's not a hard decision. It's like, I'm going to, not that Brandon didn't, doesn't have integrity or any of that type of stuff, but, but, um, but there was something different about Jason, right? Yeah that that he was just what he wanted to do was so ministry minded and so i don't know we we had just become really 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 good friends and i was just like there's no question in my mind like whether or not he has the distribution or whatever i mean all and at the end of the day none of this matters anymore yeah right it's like it just doesn't matter anymore we're we're a, we're a hard i had, I had matured enough to know that like we're never going to make a living off this band yeah these guys that are in my band eventually are going to fizzle out like it's going to you know i'm if, as long as i try to keep it going like i'm never going to make a living at this if i put it out on tooth and nail yeah it'll be more people will get it but it, yeah it's just you know we're a hardcore band and i like nobody i'm not going to make any money so anyways long story short we put it out on face face down and um was brandon bummed when you i don't know because i didn't talk i just i told him we i told him that uh I I just he was he you know he's got a lot of bands he's got a lot of things and he's <laughs> right so sure I don't think he cared that much you yeah, know what I mean but I, I think you. he I think he reached out to me because we were friends totally and I think he honestly was like I think he was just being cool 
You know what I mean? He doesn't need to put our record out. I wasn't going to make him anything. You know what I mean? But I think he was just being nice. I think, honestly, he was just like, hey, Jason, you're my friend. You did it. You rebuilt the band. How about you put out your record? I'll put it out for you. You know what I mean? So I think it was just a kind gesture. Sure. You know? And so um, when I told him, I'm like, dude, you know, I saw him back again later that week. And I said, hey, I got to tell you, like, I really appreciate it, dude. Like, I know it's probably crazy, but um, I'm going to I'm going to put it out with face down. And he's like, and I remember him just being like face. What is what is face? Down? They don't even exist. They have like a your, your EP and like a thing. You know what I mean? Like they won't have the distribution or anything that you need, you know? And I'm like, I know, I know, but he's my friend. You know what I mean? And he, and he was like, OK, he's like, I just wanted you to know, like, that's cool put it out for you. So anyhow, um, and I don't regret any of that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like what? When I think back about Face Down Records and Jason, you know, he 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 gives me some, you know, a lot of credit for like getting him, you know, on the map. But dude, it's all him. Like he yeah. he's a hard worker. He cares about what he, it's him and God, right? It's like God was behind what he was doing, and so it. I'm happy to have been a, a part of the start of that. Like I was a part of the start of you know Tooth and Nail Records, but it's like. But ultimately, he was going to be successful no matter what because yeah. his heart and drive for what he did. You the know? right place. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it was just right place, right time. And so we got to start him out with that. And uh, uh, praise God for that. Yeah, man. Well, and you mentioned uh, Immortal. You were stoked on it. Let's talk about that record a little bit and just kind of looking back on it. What are your thoughts on it now? Um, you know, well, you know, I, you mentioned When Beauty Dies is your favorite record. But what's uh, yeah, looking back on that record, what, how do you feel about it? Um, it's my favorite record that we've done, you know, in my mind, I like it the best. I think I love the way it sounds. I still like yeah. the way it sounds. Um, I like the vocal layers. I love how that record turned out. Um, I wish it, there was a vinyl version of it. Jason, if you're listening to this, put that out. <laughs> um, I, wish I had a vinyl version of that record. I don't know if anybody really cares enough to even buy it. You know what I mean? If it came out on vinyl. So, um, I don't know if anybody even like, I like everybody still, I think when beauty dies is, and people know us for when beauty dies and blessed are the persecuted. Um, even though when beauty dies is like lost in obscurity somewhere, like yeah. when, when Brandon sold all the rights to all the, yeah, it's not on uh, Spotify. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless I put it up there myself with some crappy, just regular digital copy from a CD or something like that, <laughs> like, uh, it's lost in obscurity. So whoever owns the rights to it, never put it out. And so, um, I don't know. That's why it doesn't exist on Spotify in those places. But um, so Immortal is my favorite record we did. I, I loved the, you know, ma- we made it in like two days. Wow. Like record time just went in there and just, just busted hit it, it hit out. It. And, and uh, it's full of a lot of just energy. You know? And I love the drums on it. You know what I mean? And uh, and yeah, it was a uh, it was you know, it was that was a good time in the band for me. I liked the the guys that were in the band, and so that you know, we went out and toured for that record. Also, that was the Figure Four tour that we did. Okay, and we were toured on that album, and that was a that was a fun time too. And and at that point, we had enough. Um, we were established enough, and we were six years, six or seven years down the road with everything that you know people knew who we were, and, sure. and it was intentional, and the shows were great, and it was a fun time. Yeah, awesome. Um, so after the record comes out, does the band kind of dissolve us? Uh, I guess is that kind of the next steps? Um, and then and dwelling kind of started up. Yeah. So that tour, you know, about eight years, it was about two, 2000. So I had been we do, doing overcome for 
since 94 so six six years you know or so and and then before that i was doing things i just screaming for all that time i don't yeah. think you know i know that there's ways that people learn how to do that and they can you know do it and not hurt themselves i never learned how so i yeah. was just doing it that tour was was hell i mean i was just like i couldn't i mm. was chloroseptic spray every night and i can't imagine good and <laughs> and um i was just getting older you know what i mean and and i couldn't do it anymore and so i didn't want to stop doing overcome at all there was equity in that name like we wanted to keep doing it but i couldn't sing anymore and so um i thought you know and I, at that point in my life too for whatever reason i was really into death metal like suffocation and like yeah. my favorite band on the planet you know what i mean i love death metal I was just, that's all i listened to was death metal i don't know why it just was that season of my life and so i was like i really want to make a death metal record and you can kind of hear that in totally overcome coming out so um Anyhow, we, we recorded, uh, we, we came back, Ethan stuck, it was me, everybody else didn't want anything to do with a death metal album, and so I got this friend of mine, um, Thomas Washington, that could play bass and, and growl really well, and yeah. wasn't going to be the singer, and so we we thought about building it out with more people, but it's just the three of us, and we wrote, uh, I had all, all these songs kind of already going, you know what I mean? So pretty quickly yeah. after that, we came home and we went, and, and we recorded Man, My Eyes Shall Weep in two days. Wow. Two days. You guys just bust them out. <laughs> yeah, we recorded it in two days for a thousand with a thousand dollars. And that's it. Wow. Right? And we shopped it around. I sent it to and this was whenever um uh what's his name? Was that tooth and nail? Um what's say Ron or I'm not sure. I can't think of his name. He's not there anymore now. But sent oh, it Roy. to him. Roy Roy. Roy, yeah. Roy. Roy was in and he loved it. And he was like, ah. Oh, I want to, you know, I'm going to talk to Brown and see if I can get you guys and put this out on solid state. We'll remaster it, get better artwork and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, long story short, talking to Ethan about Ethan was in this other band called Ember Coast here and they were doing really well. They were doing these like Warner Brothers and and um, like showcases and things. And he was like, dude, I can't sign any contracts because I'm trying to do something with this band. I'm like, okay. So, um, I already had the record done. It was recorded. I paid for it myself. You know what I mean? So I sent it to Jason. And I was like, hey, do you have any interest in putting this out? And he's like, I'll put out anything that you make, man. You know That's what I mean? Cool. So so he was like, yeah, I'll put it out. And so it didn't. he didn't have to pay for the recording or anything. I don't I, I remember. And so he released it for us. And then soon after that, Ethan just got so busy with Ember Coast and the stuff he was doing that it just – and it was just a different time of life, you know, sure. it was a different type of band. And we played for, you know, maybe like a year and a half, two years at the most. And then it just kind of fizzled out. But I, yeah. I still, I love that record. And as I say, yeah, how you, yeah. how you feel about it? I love it. I, I, we did it in two days and we, and I wrote those songs really quickly. And, um, and it was just the three of us, you know, like when I, you know, I'm biased cause it's mine, but I feel like in the world of like Christian death metal, like, I feel like that record just doesn't get noticed. You know what I mean? Totally. But, I, I, but I feel like if Christian folks that are into death metal would, would pick it up and listen to it again, they'd be like, oh, all right. Yeah, this is actually like a really good record. You know what I mean? Um, totally. Whatever. That's me. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you tour on that at all or was it just the record? No, nope. we went back and forth to California a bunch of times. I remember we played like early shows with Azalea Dying. As they wow. dying, they were just starting up, and we we I remember we were headlining, and as as they dying was opening, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you got Tim Lambesis there, and then what's their their drummer's name? Um, he was in this band called Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, he was in a band called Edge of Mortality. 
Oh yeah, and, I remember that band. And he was man. playing for them, and like Overcome used to play with them a bunch, and um, they would come out and stay at my house, you know, and all that stuff. And and then I remember being, oh Jordan, cool, you're in a new band, and like Tim Lambesis was always around, you know, he was around the scene in California, and I think he had done some some this is and that, you know. But I remember them starting out. But I remember seeing them play. It was a show that we headlined, and like they, they were like the opening band, and they were amazing. They were so good. Great songs. Jordan was a killer drummer. Dude, Tim was a, a great lead, like lead man. Even at that, I remember at that show being like, "Dude, you guys are going to be huge." Yeah. And like, well, man, we hope so. We're just trying to do, you know, follow <laughs> after, you know, follow after what you've done, you know, da 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 da. And uh-huh. it wasn't even like whatever. Like a year later, you know, when they put that first record out, I was like, "Oh, oh wow!" You know, they were they were like the force to be reckoned with. You know. Yeah, man, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So years go by and then you decide to do an, another overcome record. Is that correct? Yeah. So the years go by, I met a guy that could play drums really well. And, um, and uh, we were just jamming and he was really good. And I still was friends with that Thomas Washington who did the vocals for Indelling. Yeah. And there's some other guys around and, and we just started jamming and playing songs. And so we were thinking, do we want to do a new band or what do we want to do? I knew there was equity in the name of overcome. You know what I mean? And so we could, we could put that out and more people would care about it, you know, the, sure. rather than just like some new band. So we recorded a couple songs, sent them to Jason. And, and again, Jason was like, basically, I think he thought it sucked. You know what I mean? But, but he was, <laughs> but at the same time, he was like, yeah, I'll put out anything you do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I owe you, you know what I mean? Whatever overcome, I'll put it out. You know what I mean? And then that was that. And so we went and recorded it here locally. Um, and you know what, for lack of a better thing, like I just wasn't paying attention to what was going on, like in the world of like metalcore or whatever, you know, that yeah. was out there. And so I recorded it the same way I recorded everything else. That's what I knew. That's what I did. I yeah. have a friend here that was in this band called Landmine Marathon. And they're, oh, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah, they're, they're a really big band. He had a recording studio in his garage and he's a buddy of mine. And so um, we just went in and it was digital, of course, this time, but it's like, we just recorded like we always do. You know, we just went in there and busted just it out. busted yeah. it out in like three or four days. And, and, uh, I, I still think it's really, I, I like it a lot. You know what I mean? And it's just like, just this weird kind of all over the place type of, I was really into like between the buried to me and stuff like that. Oh, great, man. I had no ability to play as good as those guys. You know what I mean? So it's like. And and my and I've always just liked stuff that's not like everything else that you hear out there. You know what yeah. I mean? Like again, it's it goes along with the fact like I don't do popular music. So if all metalcore sounds like this, I want it to sound like that. You know what no, I mean? I and so I get it. For better for worse, whether people like it or not, or or whatever, like I didn't want it to sound like for today. I didn't want it to sound like, you know, a plea for purging or these all this with the big breakdowns yeah. and the A tune drop guitars and like all this stuff. I was like, I'm just gonna do this like straight tune you know drop the c but straight no no drop tuning and it's going to be weird and it's going to have a lot of like crazy scales and things going on and weird yeah. time signatures and I, and i'm just going to do that because it's interesting for me right yeah. and so um i've always been like i'm just going to do something because i want it and i don't care what anybody else thinks but that's the that's the beauty of punk and metal and stuff right like you don't totally. have you don't have to do what the record label tells you to do. So absolutely. We made it. Um, we worked really, I worked really hard on it and I, 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 I like that record. And then we had a bunch more songs. I'm pretty prolific that way. I just write lots of songs. And so then a couple of years later we went and did that other one and we tried to 
match the uh, production value that people wanted. Because when 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 that record came out, everybody hated it. Like all the reviews were like, "This record sucks. It sounds terrible." <laughs> These guys, you know what I mean? What's with the annoying guitar squeals and like all the stuff? Like no nobody got it at all. Yeah, you know what I mean? like every review was like like over i don't know who overcome is obviously they i guess they were a big deal back in the day but this record wow because people honestly like the christian like metalcore sound was pretty standard at that point you know i mean we didn't meet that standard so whatever i'm not i don't care about any of that stuff you know that's the that's the again that's the fun of being creative and doing music so absolutely did you so miss, then we went uh, and did that other one with andrew glover uh, who was in, in winds of plague you know oh, yeah, yeah yeah and so um again we drove out and, and we did that record in like three days just you know and everything we've done has been like just super punk rock yeah super, like so i think it shows obviously in our in our records but i don't know i'm not ashamed of any of that that's awesome did you do you miss I know you said you're, you're, you're with your vocal situation. Do you miss fronting the band at all? Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I miss it every day. You know, I wish I could still do it, um, but you know, I can't. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, I miss all that stuff. You know, it's it's fun to 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 even get together and talk about it in a place like this. But um, but uh, yeah, it's like it's all kind of distant memories for me at this sure. point, you know what I mean? And so after that, I did a band for eight years called some dark hollow. Oh that yeah, that's right. Country I think so stuff, that. Yeah. You know, we put out two full length records and an EP with that. And uh, that was more my style, you know, I'm just singing more. And then now I'm doing that redeeming truth music stuff. And so I'm still, you know, I've never stopped writing and recording music. You yeah. Know? Just continuing with that, that. That's cool. Even more. That's awesome, man. Well, um, I know, uh, you can't uh, predict the future, but what do you think the future looks like for you uh, just in general? So, yeah, I mean, like I said, at this point, I'm a shepherd of the people, man. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, I'm i just trying to serve people well, serve the Lord well. I want to glorify God with everything I do in my life. I want to be the best uh, husband, father, uh, pastor I can be to people. I want to continue to make music. I'm thankful that I have a place to be able to do that, you know, at my age and um and and continue to work with people and create music and play music in any form or function i love doing worship music in the church you know what i mean that's it's a it's a great joy you you get in front of a room and you get you know all these voices singing back at you you know what i mean and so um to lead people to sing and to be able to uh bring praise to god you know is, is a is an unbelievable privilege to me so i'm just i'm i'm a grateful person for all that, you know, God has given me just enough music in my life and just enough success, I guess, to keep music from ruining my life. That's cool. That's <laughs> so you, you think of other guys that like it just ruins their life. My, my life is not ruined by it. So I'm good. That's awesome. I love hearing that, man. That's so cool. Jason, this has been so cool. I, yeah. I really appreciate your time and, and all these awesome stories and you know, just going through the analog of your the 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 past of your brain, yeah. And just being able to to talk about that, uh, can see, uh, you know, it's just an awesome opportunity. So I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. Of course, yeah. Thanks awesome. for having me. It's been yeah, great. man, absolutely. Hopefully, we'll uh, maybe sometime we'll get to meet in person, and that'd be kind of cool. And let's get those uh, let's get those uh, records on vinyl some somehow. Yeah, some, some, yeah. Some shape <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Jason. Awesome. I will talk to you soon. Okay. All right, buddy. Thank you.
Thank you to the listener for tuning in again. I really could not do it without you. I know I sound like a broken record, but I really appreciate all the support. Uh, if you'd like to add me on Instagram and Facebook at the Rumors Are Truth Cast, if you'd like to like and subscribe, you know the drill. Thank you to Jason Stinson for your time. Awesome conversation. It was so cool to hear these stories and just be able to be a part of uh, of, of this journey. So thank you so much to Jason. And uh, man, nostalgia, guys, is still a heck of a drug. <laughs>